Mo, we've kind of spoken off camera about second brain quite a bit before. Beneficial or waste of time? What do you think? <laughs> Beneficial or waste of time? It's probably somewhere in the middle, like all things. The second brain is a very popular movement. It seems to appeal to a lot more people than you would expect, given how much effort it requires. So I, I, I don't know whether to just to, to talk about this or to give a few disclaimers. So let me start with the disclaimers and say that I have, I know that everyone is different. I know that my use case will not match your use case. I know that if you find value in second brain and I don't, I believe you. I don't, I don't disbelieve you. I don't believe you're foolish. I believe that it works for you. I believe that it brings you the, the things that you sought. And so I, I don't, it's not like some sort of bubble or something. It's subjective. Productivity is very subjective. So with that disclaimer, all I have to say is that my opinions reflect my experience and not what I believe everyone should see it as. Never will I speak in that way that I, I want everyone to see things in, in my way. Uh, I understand just how subjective everything is. So with that said, second brain is, uh, you know, I, I guess for those who aren't familiar with second brain, it is the idea that humans have, humans in the digital age, knowledge workers have so much information flowing across them via books, tweets, clips, podcasts. And this information is sometimes, well, rather than uh, assessing whether the information is valuable or not on the spot, you kind of err on the side of saying most information is valuable because you, you won't know in the future whether you'll need to reference that. And so second brain essentially is kind of like an insurance policy against your memory, whereby you say, let me remember as much as I can, but because the human mind is fallible, is is incapable of remembering very minute details, we'll use technology to store everything um, very manually. And maybe that'll change. Um, there's a few new technology products that automatically document sort of the data you encounter. But for now, you manually transcribe things that um, you read, that you listen to, that you watch, and you store them in this database that is the second brain. And the idea then is that you now have two brains, one for long-term data storage, sort of like a hard drive with without really much processing. And the other is your biological brain, which is more like the RAM your RAM with a processor. And so, yeah, it sounds amazing, right? It's like, whoa, two brains? Like, imagine if my biological brain could just remember everything, surely I would be like mega productive. That's that's the cell and it's such a compelling cell, right? It's like, it's like what? yeah, how could it not? Like, there's a few pitfalls and problems with this cell in practice. The first of which is that it's very time consuming to to be this prolific in your documentation, to be this verbose. You end up spending a lot of time, you know, because look, if, if, if actually the cell was, I could read a book, watch a movie, listen to a podcast, and by doing nothing else, just permanently re retain that information and have ways to process it. That's, that's incredible. That's like inarguably amazing. 
but no such mechanism really exists now. There, there are these new AI pins maybe you've seen around that um, they have a camera, they have a microphone. That could be interesting. So if you're reading a, a book and it sees the pages you're reading and it scans them automatically, if you listen to a podcast on speaker and it hears that, it does all that for you automatically. I don't imagine there would be a downside because the interface for that would just be a search bar that you'd have for, for your personal life. That sounds awesome. But they're not calling that second brain. There's I don't know what they're calling that. They're calling it an AI pin. Um, maybe that's a marketing problem there. But so the problem is that it's not like that, the current second braining. It's very text-based. It's very, you have to be someone who enjoys taking notes and writing and spending a lot of time documenting. And typically, if you're the documenter, you're not the executor. So if you think of like ancient, not, not even ancient, but just like 1500, 1600s, that kind of like vibe where you have a transcriber, someone who's always taking notes, and then the guy who's speaking, the things that the, the transcriber should be writing down. Uh, in most cases, it's hard to do both jobs simultaneously. You're either executing or you're in the, the meta details of execution, which isn't the same as execution. And so what a lot of people find who experiment with second brain is that they end up finding that, yeah, they've spent way too much time just documenting and not enough time in the execution of the thing they're documenting. And it essentially becomes a little bit of a chore at some point. Now, this chore, some people enjoy chores in a sense. Uh, you know, one person's chore could be another person's recreation. So that's fine. People, Some people just really enjoy this. I'm, I'm not that kind of person that enjoys uh, overly documenting things. I like a basic level of documentation, but beyond that, there's only one way to do something and it's just to do it. So I, I'm very biased towards action. Yeah, that's point number one with the second brain is that you spend a lot of time to build it and uh, that time detracts from time that could be spent other places like execution. The second point is the question of really the value of infinite information retention. Is it, so the cell seemed self-evident, but the question was, so we talked about this in, in, in the last episode where we said that some people say the brain is primitive. Some people say the brain is stupid in a sense. It's, it's, it's really intricate, but it's got these weird pitfalls. And, and one of them is that it, it's memory retention is pretty awful. And science sees that as a downside of the brain. Whereas my opinion is that it actually, it probably evolved this way for a reason. And you find that your brain remembers a lot more than we think it does. And it, you can see this whenever you suddenly remember something from like when you were 10. So it's, and, and you haven't thought about it for 20 years. And then you just remember it all of a sudden because you were triggered by some like stimulus. So it was there the whole time. It's it just your brain, I don't know, didn't find it useful to present that to you or, or, or to inundate you with that information. Yeah, can you imagine if somehow you just, there was a mechanism where you thought about everything you've ever experienced your entire life? Like, how would you live? How would you, you'd just be stuck. Like, and so I, I view that evolution as actually very intelligent in that it optimizes for the present and optimizes for what you need today. And it discards the rest until you need it, until there's some prompt in the real world that triggers the memory. And even then you end up saying, okay, well, that was an interesting memory, but if I'd never remembered it, I think I would have been okay. So I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily view all information as important. And in fact, if, if the information was important, 
it shapes you, it becomes you, it it, um, it changes you. And the information then is not really important anymore. The raw constituents of the information isn't what's important anymore. It's not the words or the structure. It's just the way they made you feel on that in the moment you first encountered them and how that feeling altered your neural network for better or for worse. So that's my philosophy in that, yeah, when you read a book, you don't necessarily, again, my opinion, that I've never taken notes when reading a book, but books have been invaluable to shaping my belief system in general. I mean, it just becomes you. The things that I'm saying now, we're shaped by books, for example, we're we're shaped by, let's say, podcasts, experiences, but I don't really remember anything in particular. I actually view forgetfulness as a feature. I mean, forgetfulness is a very interesting topic. I'm tempted to go down a a slight tangent where I've had experiences in my life that were, I don't want to say tragic, um, calamitous. In those times, they, they were calamities to me. And you think to yourself, I'll never recover from this. I'll never be the same person. My life is ruined forever because this event happened to me. And or my body was hurt, or I got an, uh, a disease or something, and you see, I'll, I'll never be the same. I'll, I'll I'll never forget who I was, and I'll always want that. And actually, what you end up finding is that your brain just kind of forgets who you were before the event, and that forgetfulness allows you to to let's say move on. So it's it's like if you if you all of a sudden get diagnosed with a, a chronic disease it's very tragic at the moment and it will be for a long time but you tell yourself in the moment that i'll never be the same and i'll never be happy again because i know what life was before this diagnosis and that was perfect and now now you're speaking relatively of course cuz you appreciate what you had but what ends up happening is you actually start to forget who you were before the disease and the disease is just an example of some tragic event, but you start forgetting who you were and you stop being able to compare yourself to that person. And so what ends up happening in, in very tragic terms is your past self dies and you become this new person with a disease, but it's no longer tragic. It is something, you can call it whatever it is, but it's no longer tragic because the tragedy is always the comparison to, to your past self to your past circumstances. And so, you know, you ask yourself, people with really tragic diseases, let's say cancer or something, you you kind of see them and you're like, how are they how, how are they going out? I would be so depressed. You tell yourself like, oh, I'd be so depressed. I couldn't possibly live. But you see them and they're they're full of spirit and they're I'm not saying all of them. I, I don't know, but but I'm saying some of them you kind of see that they 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 still live on like they, they and the reason for that is that in most cases, um, part of it is acceptance, but acceptance comes with forgetfulness. You forget who you were and you stop being, and, and so your frame of reference becomes not who you were before the diagnosis. It was who you were last year. And if last year you had the diagnosis, then it's like, it starts to become relative and tangent. So all that to say is that forgetfulness is a very profound feature that I think makes us human. And what makes us human is, is actually very important um, and not coincidental in that sense. So I don't think forgetfulness is a bug. I think it's a feature. So yeah, the permanent retention of all information now to the biological brain, I think would be devastating and would not allow us to to live for very long. But of course we have technology now. So your counter argument would be, well, okay, of course, yeah, I agree. 
biological permanent retention would be, uh, I don't know, uh, paralyzing. But why not let technology do this for us? I'm in favor, but I'm not in favor of the, of the manual work involved. Um, so uh, when it becomes automatic, then you'd have my attention. But if you're telling me I need to transcribe everything, that's just way too time consuming. You and I, I think, are right. We're, we're right there together, brothers in arms, side by side. Um, you know, I have seen those AI clips. I think they look sort of fantastic. This idea that, I mean, you said it yourself, a search bar for sort of your, your personal history, a search bar for your personal life. I love that idea. Sign me up straight away. This idea that I can just, you know, I'm a, I'm a Mac user. What is it to launch Spotlight? Command space? Mm. Command space to launch Spotlight and just search for anything and then it will recall, oh, you read this in a book at some point or whatever. Because I've been in those situations where I, I don't take notes when I read either. But sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I knew exactly what that sentence said in that book that I read once because they've articulated this idea better than I have, better than I ever could. So that that kind of thing I would love. I think every single time I've started to go down a second brain sort of rabbit hole, I've always ended up not knowing where to draw the line, not knowing how much I should put in, not knowing how much is too much, and then getting into the habit of, over maintaining this thing so example i i played around with it a couple of months with obsidian and uh opened it up started putting like the standard notes podcast i work on the standard notes podcast with mo mo is now a, a, a note mo is the founder of the standard notes you know how far down the down the rabbit hole do, do we go? How far down do we descend? Does everything and everyone need a note? I think that's always what's personally put me off. But one thing that I do really love about Second Brain is a feature that I think Obsidian does really well, which is this idea of the knowledge graph. You've got kind of your notes in the middle. Let's say it's the standard notes podcast. And then you, Mo, uh, another note over here kind of floating around it. And then maybe if we were to work on something else together, that then kind of connects in over here. And seeing how all of that interacts, I find oddly alluring. Right. But is it helpful? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, so there's there's a question of whether... The second, it, it almost feels like the second brain has no right being a note-taking app. Like w once you see these AI pins, you're like, ah, I see it now. But it may very well turn out to be that this whole idea of text-based, note-taking-based second brain, it doesn't make much sense to me. And and maybe it might stand to make much less sense now with the AI type pins, because that's a true second brain. So the, the question of whether the format is even right is always one that's plagued me. Whether the, cause you, you could kind of see it, you can kind of see the sort of nascent desire we have as humans to feel like we have some bionic second brain. And I think the graph is what really makes that concept concrete because we're like, okay, yeah, we do have a second brain. You need that graph to have that feeling. So 
I think what second brain movements do really well is the marketing of that feeling of second brain, which we all want. We, we kind of all want that feeling of, of having a sort of super bionic companion or assistant. You can kind of feel that these tools are grasping at something. And what is foundational to a lot of these tools is this sort of visual representation because the visual representation makes it feel real because we like to imagine that that's what the brain kind of looks like. And so I think if that is true, if that is true that the graph is very important to the feeling of second brain, because I think a lot of it is a feeling that you get and, and the feelings are very important. It's very important that you feel that it's useful to you because that feeling can actually, I don't know, go on to really uh, enhance your productivity in just other ways. Um, because if you feel good, you'll do good work. I mean, that's, so I think like, even if you don't end up referencing your second brain a lot, you may just, you may just feel good doing it. But I don't know, the the question of, yeah, the, the question of format to me is interesting. And I wonder if a product like, Obsidian is just an example. I don't know if they're the biggest ones, but you know, a, a product like a, a company like Obsidian, if it may not make sense to go into AI pins, I, I, I think with some funding, for example, that would be a very interesting path for them, which would make a lot of sense because what they have is a philosophy, which is actually a very good job on their part to to distill their product as a, as a philosophy, as a movement rather than a tool that allows them some flexibility. That would be an, a useful concept of second brain, I think. But the concept of a markdown exclusive second brain, I don't think that's self-evident. Yeah, I don't think you can sell me on that. And not because I'm resistant to it, but because I've tried those, these, these, yeah, I've tried these kind of ideas before and I just bias towards action. And, um, but again, use cases matter. I'm not, I'm not writing a book. I'm not writing a thesis or something. Um, so it depends on your use case. Now, with regards to the movement of, of second brain as a movement, as a philosophy, so it seemed like the father of this movement, someone called Diego Forte, I believe. And he's a really smart guy. I've been following him. And he's like a productivity guru. Like he never runs out of things to say, which I, I admire a lot. You know, he, he's, I don't know how he turns out this, this, this is like a prophet of philosophy, productivity. But sometimes he goes a little overboard in my opinion, which which somewhat becomes a parody of itself. And, and not the whole thing. Again, I don't want to say the whole thing is useless. I have a lot of respect. I, I follow him and I like some of his things and it inspires me. Sometimes you just catch the occasion like, eh, might be going a little too far there. Um, one of them was, I think the other day, he's like, schedule periods in your calendar where you take time off to worry. This helps you compartmentalize your stress into pockets so it doesn't affect the rest of your day. And I'm like, dude, if only, if only things worked like that, but come on, like that uh, schedule stress time, like straight schedule worry time. Like that's hilarious. Like I laughed, like that's, come on. How's that not funny? Like, how is, how is that serious? Now, on the other hand, I saw the comments and people are like, oh, interesting. Tell me more. Like, this is a very smart idea because, so it's like this, this romantic idea of what productivity could be completely disconnected from the human condition, completely disconnected from how, from how any of this works. And that's kind of my whole gripe with second brain is like, it's beautiful, it's romantic, but it's, it can be very disconnected from the human condition. Another one of his tweets, which was 
this one was a little more controversial. People called him out on it. And I'm trying to remember exactly what he said, but it was just something like, I've decided I can, this was like maybe a year ago. He's like, I've decided I can only focus on a few things in my life. And here's, here's what they are. You know, he said, I don't know what he said, but productivity, calendar, you know, secondary, things like that. And he's like, here are things I've had to take focus away from to be able to optimize this. And he listed a few things. And the last one was like my relationship with my wife. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to de-optimize my relationship with my wife to focus on like more productivity. It was just so funny that he, he would just like, and he probably meant something else. Maybe I'm sh- like, no one really means it like that. I don't, I don't know what he meant, but if you just read it verbatim, he just said, I'm, I'm taking time away from my wife to focus on my second brain. And yeah, people called him out and I, I admire his drive and his dedication to, to productivity, the relentless dedication, lucky for him. And, and not, not people should not be confused, misled. Don't get this mixed up. Luckily for him, his productivity is actually tied to his musings about productivity. That's a very distinct advantage. His musings about productivity and second brain are not meta the way it is for us. That's actually his business. That's very unique. And it's very unlikely that that's your business. You musing about productivity is actually a huge waste of time in most cases. You musing about productivity, about how to optimize your day every day, you should should do, you should clean up your routine once in a while, but if you're doing it too much, it's not the same for you as it is for him because your business is something completely different. And that's what you got to be careful of, of these kind of gurus. I don't mean in a condescending sense. Again, I have a lot of respect for him. Um, very smart guy. But gurus in general, they're so lucky because their meta output is something they can sell. It's not the case for us. We can't sell our meta. We can only sell the actual hard fruits of our labor which you know, for him probably musing about productivity becomes a job, but it's very lucky for him. Again, it's very lucky for him that unlike you and I, he could spend eight hours a day just second braining and be, and that's very good for him. For us, that would be, that'd be a, a huge waste of time. My only gripe about second brain that I would uh, advocate from like a public, like a insistful perspective, because what I've said so far is I'm not insisting on anything. It's just my opinion, what I would insist on for myself. What I would un- insist on for others is do not feel left out. Do not feel bad if you see all these people claiming huge productivity gains and then you go and try it and you're like, it's not working for me. I must be lacking something. Don't feel bad there. Don't feel left out. Don't feel FOMO. It's not a universal system. What works for one person may not work for you. It's not something you're lacking. If you've if you've never experienced second brain and you just can't get yourself to, you keep seeing it sometimes and you're like, oh, what are these people? Am I missing out on something? Or do I have to go now and try this? And the answer is no, you're not missing out on anything. Not to, not to like underwrite it completely. I'm not saying you're not missing out on anything. It's nothing. I'm just saying like, if you're fine, you're fine. You're not missing out on anything. You feel like you have a huge crap ton of documents sitting in folders and you're having a hard time organizing them. And you, you're the kind of person that likes to take a lot of uh, notes in general. And, and you like structuring your notes and organizing them and you're very meticulous in that fashion, then maybe you may be missing something. But if you're just a normal, 
I don't want to say it's abnormal and you're normal, but if, if you're not that kind of person, I, I don't know what the breakdown of statistics is, but if you're not that kind of person who it takes copious notes and you're just sort of like, you just do the default. For me, default is doing nothing. That That's default and anything above that is is extracurricular. So if you're just a default type person, the question of, if you're not a, t- a person that takes a lot of notes, the question of if you start taking a lot of notes, will you be better? To me, I'll say no. I, I don't think all of a sudden, if you start taking a lot of notes, you'll be a better person. That's half of the second brain is selling people who aren't aren't note takers, prolific note takers to be note takers. That I don't really agree with. But if you are the kind of person who takes a lot of notes, then um, yeah, maybe digitizing that would be very benef- beneficial for you. But otherwise, I, I just, I don't know. It's like, keep it simple. Don't make people feel bad about not being very sophisticated in, in their note-taking techniques. That's the, that's the only emotional part of me that gets riled up about second brain is when people gatekeep productivity and make it seem like this is the way. And if you're not doing this, you're missing out. That I'll take a I'll take a stance on. But otherwise, it, it's 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 a, it's a great principle. It's a great philosophy. There are great tools. And with, with the advent of, of these AI pins, it, it only stands to be more and more interesting. I, for one, love the idea of just, I mean, maybe we don't need second brain at all. Maybe we just need a calendar and we can go 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. worry, 9 a.m. to 9.30 disregard wife, 9.30 <laughs> to 10 o'clock think about something. And I mean, you, you kind of touched on, I'm joking, obviously, but you, you kind of touched on it there with these AI pins and we've been sort of talking about it all episode. I suppose, final question, what do you think is the future of this? Where is this going? Are we at some point, and, you know, maybe I think of something like Elon Musk's Neuralink um, chip, brain chip, are we eventually going to end up at a point where we have a digital version of us? Is that something that we want? So I, you know, people sometimes take a dystopian point of view on things. And I don't know, dystopia is interesting because in many ways we are living in a dystopia and in many ways all of history has been dystopian in in some kind of sense. And so to look at the future and say that's dystopian is to neglect the fact that, well, which part of where we're at now is not is like comforting or peaceful or calm. It's all pretty damn crazy. Like, uh, it just depends on what you focus on. I mean, look, the internet, for example, the advent of the internet, uh, in many ways has been horrific <laughs> to the human condition, but in, in many ways it's been fantastic. And so the question is, do you stop the internet from ever becoming? And obviously the answer is no. Like some people say like adamantly, yes, go back in time. It used to be go back in time and stop Hitler. Now it's like go back and stop the internet from from ever coming into being. So I don't think that it's like, what is the point? I don't know how deep, I I really got to stop myself from going too deep here. Because you ask yourself, what is the point of our existence? Is it to, for humans to be as peaceful as possible with each other? Or is it for us to explore and discover and experiment and to see what happens when we try new things? Which, you know, even if you take away the internet, even, you know, go back to primitive times, it doesn't get any more peaceful. Like, you know, where do you find peace any point in history? So the question of what do we ruin when we introduce sort of dystopian technology like AI pins, 
people who are against it are so protective of the present as if it's something special. Like what is so great about the present that you're trying to preserve when in fact there's so much that could be improved and really the only way to find out how to improve things is to try things. So while there are many dystopian angles of, of these kind of technologies, any technology is dystopian. I mean, look how dystopian TV is. Like uh, in a sense, we've all seen that probably that clip of those news channels where they started aggregating them to grids and they started all saying the same thing, like be careful of this. That's very dystopian. And just the idea of a box that uh, televises signals and goes to your eyes, your eyes transcribes it to information. You can make it dystopian. You can make it sound very dystopian, but when in fact you just sort of get accustomed to life and... Um, no one really thinks TV is, is dystopian technology anymore. Computers, t- uh, I don't know. Books were probably dystopian at some point. I mean, the idea of just uh, infinite uh, reach of information. So yeah, I, I don't take the perspective that new technologies are have a, yeah, they have a chance to corrupt. But what happens is that humanity forgets the way things were and you adapt to a new baseline better for worse i mean there's there's like infinite uh, parameters you, you can't really compare one time to another that makes no sense it's like which part are you comparing and there's like infinite things you you have to compare so to say that the 2000s are more or less peaceful than the 1900s 1800 i don't know it's all like what are you comparing so to to say that these technologies should not exist um ai the harms of ai Arms of AI pins to say that these shouldn't exist because they're dystopian. What do you know? Like, what do you know? Like, what are you protecting? What are you guarding? Um, what do you know about the future? What do you know about? What do you know about the failures that we sometimes have to experience as civilizations to learn how to mold a more peaceful, successful civilization? What do you know about all that? What do you, what do you know about the complexity of how things end up working versus how you predict them to work? And so, anyone who takes an immediately dystopian view. I don't know. You're you're just being very simple, and it's just you're not appreciating the complexity of how all of this works, uh, and 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 our right to dictate. Are uh, are we don't have the right to dictate how any of this should turn out. Because you don't know what the goals are. You don't know what the goals of the simulation are. Whether it has goals. Whether your goals should be the goals. I mean. Look, as a human, we, we all want peace, right? Like no one wants violence. No one wants wars. No one wants famine, poverty, disease. But what do you know? Like, I, I don't know. What do you know about about what it takes for the world to play out? Uh, what, what do you know about the goals it has? Um, if it has goals, you know, we're, we're personifying here a little bit. Um, I like to think that it, it's a simulation. Um, where uh, the creator of the simulation, it, whatever it is, uh, doesn't know how things will turn out. And the only way to find out is to try things. And um, what do we know? I, I don't know. So when it comes to new technologies, I just take the stance of, well, let's find out. The simulation is telling me save game because that's all we've got time for. <laughs> today uh standard notes is the end-to-end encrypted note-taking app that keeps all of your stuff safe you can try it for free at standardnotes.com and upgrade to unlock tons of powerful extra features too i've been adam he's been mo and until next time 
think fearlessly. 